I'm Noha Esop and you are listening to accidentalmuslims.com. Assalamu alaikum. Hello. I'm Khalil Alika and this is accidentalmuslims.com. Today another special guest Noha Esop, my dear friend, a mentor, a coach. Noha, welcome. Thank you very much and thank you for having me. And Zahir, obviously, my co-host. Thank you Khalil. Always great to be here. A pleasure to meet Noha. I'm looking forward to learning from you this evening and um, yeah let's get started naha let's start by you introducing yourself that's an interesting question because it's the long or short version um the very short version is i'm naha that's plain and simple um the roles and responsibilities that i hold in introduction would be that i'm a i'm a wife i'm a mother i'm a life coach i'm a teacher i'm a seeker and i'm a server So when people ask you I, I remember you used to ask me who are you mm. so when you ask people who are you what are you actually asking yeah because asking the question and so let's turn it inward and saying who are you rather than and say who am i far too often we as i said now if you want me to add on my roles and responsibilities we we answer who am i in relation to our roles and responsibilities. So we create an identity for ourselves based on where we are needed or what we do, which isn't necessarily who we are. And, you know, I, that's why I said I'm, I'm a mother, I'm a, I'm a wife. Those are roles. I'm a coach, I'm a ro- that's a role. I'm a seeker, it's a role. Um, all of those things are roles that I'm playing and at different times. And I can have five roles, I can have ten roles, I can have 12, 50, how many ever I want to pack on. But when I ask the question, who am I? And I do away with all the roles, what am I left with? And that's the fundamental question. And that question, if you ask it enough times and you ask it in a still enough state, it creates awareness, self-awareness, and it creates a sense of authenticity and they are even say it also creates a sense of connection to divine source beyond what what we can imagine no so from what i'm hearing you then believe most people are hiding behind these titles as a source of what's it protection or or or, or okay. getting on getting on with it yeah um the short answer yes um and the reason i say that is because we all have facades we all have masks and we use our masks interchangeably in different situations uh, they become coping mechanisms and is it right is it wrong there is no right or wrong um you know each one to his own it's it's where you are in your journey although when we do want to go on the path of becoming our authentic selves part of that journey is letting go of the different facades and the different um masks that we hold you know the there's often where i speak about if somebody comes to you and says oh do you want to do this with me tonight and and you actually don't feel like doing it but you make up an excuse or you go with anyway and i'm like but if you authentic you just say no and very few people can do that very very few because we feel we feel almost responsible for for other people and, and it doesn't 
You know, when we, it doesn't mean that if we say no that we become irresponsible or that we become selfish. Because if I had to reframe selfish, could I then not say that you were self-assured or affirming your own self, which I could easily say is a, is a good trait to have. So, yes, in short, people do hide behind facades. We all do, and we all do it from time to time, and we will do it in time immemorial. It's just that we probably, as, as we go along our journey towards ourselves, we'd have less and less masks. How do you then um, recommend that we get in front of those titles and, and actually be ourselves? What recommendations do you give people in that regard? To get to... To yeah. discover yourself, basically. Because I think a lot of people would be inhibited by these titles mm. without them even knowing. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, potential is in lost on society. Absolutely. You know, I started about three or four years ago where I made a promise to myself, which has probably been the most difficult promise I ever made, and that was to become my authentic self. And when I did that, the first thing that I did was, you know, everything around me, if there's something that somebody's asking me, I'm going to answer authentically but with tact and diplomacy so that the receiver gets the message in the nicest way possible. Right, so that's always something that I was, I'm, I've tried to do. But to be true to myself. So now picture the system, you know, there's this psychological process called the locus of control. Right, so when people's far out in the circle, it's easy for me to say no. Right, somebody phones you from the call center and says, do you want a new self? And you say no, because you don't know them. So, okay, so I'm being authentic. Right? I didn't say, oh, maybe... Maybe if you send it to me, I may just want to take it from you. Eh? So when you move from there, now you come to maybe your colleagues. Colleague says, I need your help with something. And now you're feeling like, mm, actually, I don't, I don't actually think that I, I don't actually have the time. I'm, I'm too filled up right now. And you say to the colleague, you know what, at this point, I can't help you. You know, Peter on the other side is free. Maybe you can ask him or if you can wait you know, a day, then I may be able to help you. So now I'm being true again. So at every step I'm trying, as I'm coming closer into the circle, I'm being truer and truer and truer. And so you come close and you come to your family. Oh, <laughs> now there's a story. Because now now there's, there's attachment, now there's meaning, now there's a depth of love there that you may not have had with any of those other circles. And now you have to, you know, your sister asks you, your brother asks you, or your cousin says, come over, everybody's going to be here, but you really don't feel like it. So what do you then say? Now most of us in this situation say, okay, I'm coming. But why do we do that? Because when we do, we're being untrue to ourselves. We're being inadvertently untrue to the people where we're going to. Whereas if I did say, I don't quite feel like coming right now, I may come later or next time. And then when we move from that sibling, we move into our households, potentially our partner, our spouse, and our children, where we now also have to say yes or no. And it doesn't end there, because the last version is coming to yourself. Where you have to look at yourself and say, is this something I want to do? So for example, in my work environment, I get you know, approach potentially with a new project. And the project might be meaningful to me or it might be rewarding to me, but it's still something that I need to check within myself. 
is this right for me? Is this right for my highest and best interest? Am I going to serve? Am I going to fulfill what I have set out in this world to do? Because if I'm just going to say yes, then I'm being untrue to myself. So the layers comes in. And, you know, in answering your question, what is it that we do? What is it that we can do is to become truthful. And it's a self-check. It's a self-check that we do. You know, you don't go to your friend and say, was I being honest? <laughs> you don't do that. It's a self-check that you do for yourself. We also spend far too little time with ourselves alone. We, we don't know how to be still. And it's, and it's such an interesting thing because without the stillness, how do we connect? If, if we are not still and we can't connect with divinity, with source, with Allah, how do we get to know ourselves? Because that's, to know your Lord is to know yourself. To know yourself is to know your mm -hmm. Lord. So how, how, do you, how do you get there? You can't. It's interesting you mentioned that. Uh, sorry to cut you. No. One of the more most, um, or the one of the most uh, uh, pivotal points that I realized this point that you mentioned about getting to know yourself was actually during uh, when I was introduced to Tahajjud Salah. And uh, besides this connection you feel with Allah Subhanahu you ask yourself those questions that you were asking earlier uh, about asking the question to yourself and revealing who you really are in that mm -hmm. case. So I, I would actually agree with, um, or, or I can't fault what Noah is saying, and I actually I think it's proven in the Sunnah as well. As well. Absolutely. Um, and I, I'm sure if the listeners are listening to this and they haven't uh, yet asked the question to themselves, um, I would actually put it out and say, tonight, set your clock at 3 o'clock when the house is as quiet as possible, and let's experiment. And also, you know what, we need to do a bit more reflection, and that reflection doesn't necessarily come in, you know, drawing a goal list or, you know, taking a pen and a paper and all of that. I always ask people, what is it that you think the Prophet ﷺ was doing in the cave? What was he doing when the angel came to him? Because the reports say he was sitting there quietly, loosely translated, reflecting, <laughs> meditating, sitting in quietness, alone. Mm. So, again, sunnah, as far as I'm concerned. You said you're a life coach. Yeah. So, is that a... People have this... There's not a stigma, but it's negativity to it. Life coach. So, how, mm. would you, how would you describe... I mean, what is a life coach? You know... And it's, and it's a title I use not because, oh, that's how I choose to describe myself. It's a title I use because it's something people know, mm. right? But the long and short of it is that I positively impact lives. That's it in a nutshell. I, I help people unpack, and this is what our coaches do, help people unpack where they are at, where they want to go to, and potentially what it is that may, may or may not be blocking them from getting to their full potential. You know, and it, and it varies. You know, at some points people will call me a spiritual coach, and other points they'll call me a business coach, and other points mm. they'll call me success all of those coach. a success coach. And call me by whatever name it is that you want. 
The reality is that in my line of work, I'm the one that's going to listen and ask the questions in order to help you come to your realizations, in order to empower you to take action. Okay. So my job is not to do it for someone else. And that, that, is, that is my underlying premise. I, I cannot do it for someone else because if I am going to do it for that, you are always going to need me. And I'm not on this world to be needed. I'm here as a vehicle to help someone else. So you don't change lives, they change their own life. They do change their yeah, own lives. Yeah. Um, and you know what, and fundamentally at the, at the core of who I am, I'm a teacher. I'm mm, a facilitator. Mm. I'm, I, it, I think that's my first love. My first love is to teach, and so I teach in my coaching sessions. You know, most of my coaching sessions revolve around how do you get to love yourself? You know, whether it's a, in a business session, whether it's in a life session, a spiritual session, a relationship session, all of them actually boils down to the same thing. So you, do you know what NLP is? I don't know what NLP is. I can give my... Well, at least we know it's NLP and not NPL, hey? Because, <laughs> sure, so many people have gotten the, the letters wrong. NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And the long and short of that is neuro obviously is the brain, linguistics is language, and programming is the programming that we've created in our minds and therefore in our behavior, in our actions. And so NLP is basically the study of what is the programming that you and we as human beings have created in our lives that is either working for us or not working for us. And an NLP practitioner is able to pick that up based on the language that you are using to identify what's the program and also to be able to change the program using language. So, for example... I'm sure you'd like one of those. Yeah, I'm waiting for that. <laughs> we all have fears, right? We have fear of heights, we have fear of spiders, we have fear of success, we have fear of failure, we have fear of falling in love, we have fear of all of these things. But you weren't born with it. So that's the first thing NLP looks at. Were you born with it? Because if you weren't born with it, then you programmed yourself there. And the way programming happens is based on filters. It's based on your belief systems, your values, your, your trauma, your past crises, your upbringing, your authority figures that you subordinated to over the years. Um, so it's a number of things that we've snowballed. And so in order to change any limiting belief, and in this case fears, we're talking about of different types of fears, you have to change the programming. And so it's quite deep-rooted, because you, you do actually go to the, to the root cause. And yeah, it's quite an interesting method. So we have, we have different tools and techniques. I love the language part the most. It's because I, I just love talking, mm. as you can probably have <laughs> figured out by now. So, so programming, you mean like programming is like a software in your brain, mm. type of thing, like yeah. subconsciously programmed. Yeah. Okay. We we so on our day to day level we're in our conscious state. Mm. Right. But there's a subconscious state that that has been taking in all of this data continuously. And data that we have given meaning to. 
and good or bad. And that determines how we see the world. That determines, you know, what are our likes and our dislikes. That determines what are our successes and failures potentially. Um, very interestingly, you know, in NLP we teach that there is no meaning to any event. Absolutely none whatsoever. We give meaning based on our filters, based on our belief structures, based on how we understand our world. And that's why no two people can just agree full shot just one time. We can't, if two people were the same, one of them weren't necessary. <laughs> you know, that's the words of John Demartini. He often says that about marriage. Why do you want your spouse to be the same as you? Because if both of you were the same, then one of you weren't necessary. <laughs> You're supposed to complement each other as equal opposites. Yeah? This, the programming you're mentioning, we're not born with it. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously we develop it somehow over time. What's interesting as a parent, we give this over to our kids. Uh, I'm pretty sure of it. And um, what you take on that? How, how do we remedy that if we, for instance, negatively reinforce some sort of stereotype or, or perception and we see this in our child? Mm. Uh, let's say your child is going for swimming lessons, for instance, and somehow your speech or your actions have caused him now to be fearful of getting into that pool mm. because you would not know that that water is dangerous or it could drown. Mm. So how do we go about doing that as parents perhaps, or as, especially for the listeners out there? Have you, is this part of what NLP is designed for? <laughs> uh, definitely, yes. Um, a great love of my work is that I deal with children. I have two of my own. And so, so to answer your question, yes, there, there's NLP helps with this, and yes, we can deal with it. Um, and how do we not reinforce? So to answer your question that you've already answered is, do we inadvertently actually pass over those fears or those stereotypes? Yes, we absolutely do. I'm, however, of the belief that we already do it actually on a cellular level at birth or even at conception. And so that's why I've, that's the very reason I do the work that I do, because if more people get to deal with their issues, the less of the next generation will have issues. Mm. Make sense? Mm. Or at least not the same, or the old issues. And so when a child, or you have a child, and, and, you, and you're trying to not reinforce old habits, I think the first thing that we need to remember is that a child is of us, but is not, doesn't belong to us. And so there's a certain level of boundaries that needs to be created. So, for example, a child throws a tantrum in a, in, a, in a supermarket. As the parent, you get embarrassed. Why? It's not you throwing the tantrum. Why is it all of a sudden that you have an attachment on what the child's doing? Or you go to a party and your husband or your wife says something silly and everybody, and there's a whole embarrassing situation and you feel embarrassed. Why? There's a separation between who you are as a person and who that person is as a person. Mm -hmm. So as far as the children is concerned, children learn best through stories and through seeing, role modeling, right? 
So they see us doing something. They're going to role model it more than what they're going to listen to us at giving them an instruction. But sometimes we do an action that may not be helpful to them. And you're thinking, how do I change this now? That's where you start telling a story. And the story is not something... Well, you can actually have a story that is, you know, related to, you know, one day there was a man, blah, blah, blah. That's not going to work as well as the story of when you were a young child. The child relates better. Any one of us relates better to something where there's a personal connection, right? You can't also, as a parent, live your life in fear of, oh, am I reinforcing a negative behavior? Am I reinforcing? Am I saying the right thing? No, be. Be, because otherwise you're going to hold yourself back. Also notwithstanding and not ever forgetting that no two people in this world are together by accident. The three of us sitting here is no accident. Your child being your child is no accident. A child who has a fear of the water is no accident. There's a lesson in that that the child needs for his or her journey. So what's the difference then between a psychologist or psychiatrist and an NLP coach? The long and short of it, NLP won't exist if psychology didn't. Okay? Mm -hmm. We often get the question, yes, what's the difference? Why didn't you go study psychology? Why did you study NLP? Um, For the same reason why some people go and study for seven years and others go and study for seven months and go and work. There's there's just a different temperament for learning. Um, In psychology, you learn not only the techniques and the tools, you learn the theories, you learn the thinking, you learn the forefathers, you learn the Freuds, you learn the Jungs, you learn the, you know, James, and you learn all of those things. And then NLP came along. And NLP said, okay, can we just look at what worked? We don't need the theory. You've already tested all of these things. We, you know what works. Keep the theory. We just want to take the tools that work. Tell us how to do it. And that's basically what NLP did. But it's not only psychology. So, it, so NLP is gleaned off psychology, anthropology, um, obviously philosophy, and huge elements of um, hypnotherapy for psychoanalysis purposes but also NLP has got some interesting techniques in it that work really really quickly and really firmly that we've now discovered that there are many psychologists and psychiatrists who's now added NLP onto their repertoire in order for them to have that too. Now you mentioned uh, you mentioned schooling and kids and I know you had this plan of bringing NLP into the schooling system. Mm-hmm. What are the challenges there? Are, are you still are you still trying, or have you given up? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting question, especially now that you put it so bluntly. Mm. Did I give up? No, I didn't give up. You know, I'm the type of person that if you if you're gonna tell me no and you've given me your reasons no, I'm gonna rephrase it and package it differently. Because I know it's good for you. So in this case, the schooling system. Sound like a lawyer. That was my first Oh, study. is it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite a fight with the law as well. Um, especially contract law. 
So I've, I've, what I've done is, so I've had a vision of starting a school for a number of years. And I must admit that I think actually a day ago, I realized that that may not be something that I want to do. For the only reason that there are a number of them popping up right now. And, it, and if I do create a school, it's not going to allow me to help the child who's already marginalized. And that challenges me. Because if I am going to create a school, it's going to be, it's going to be a private school and it's going to be another self-funded school and people's going to have to pay. And again, Township Cape Flats is not going to be able to afford it. So I have my Authentic Kids program, which is the program that I designed on the back of NLP, that I designed at the back of what Dr. DiMartini has taught me over the years. And that is an extramural activity that I want to take to as many schools as I possibly can. Do the schools allow me in? Uh, not necessarily, again, out of funding. Do the parents let me in? Actually, yes. The parents have. And that's been a beautiful journey to watch as well with children learn so much about themselves that they didn't necessarily learn at school, which I believe is sorely lacking in the schooling system. Mm. Um, So what is your definition of success? It's not not one thing in particular. Um, If you asked me 10 years ago, I said, it's the big house, it's the car, it's the people knowing my name and, you know, naming lights. I think now that I've I've matured, I don't want to say grow older, I've matured. Um, success is, is very much in the little things. You know, every year I do a vision board and, and the vision board would, is things that are quite meaningful to me. The part of my success is how much of that have I achieved? Have I have I gone after? For me it's more of how much have I actually gone after. And then it's the the more meaningful things, the how many people did I help? How many how many lives did I change? How many how many minds did I change? Uh, how many people did I inspire? You know, if I look at my children and I look at the way they think, I would even add that on to parts of my success. If I look at my 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 marriage, a huge form of, of my of our success, I would call it. Um, I have a beautiful relationship, Alhamdulillah, and it, and it didn't happen overnight, and I, we needed to work on it. Um, but there's a deeper spiritual conscious level that is in that marriage that I I would actually tick as a, as a form of success. And how would you describe yourself in, in three words? A seeker, a server, and I think... Grateful, I just grateful. You mentioned seeker a couple of times. Like what uh, seeker? What what are you seeking for? You know, it sounds so cliche when you say seeker of truth, Mm. but it really is that. But it's not one truth. It's mine, which is a huge difference. I'm not. I'm not looking to figure out what your way of life is, and therefore that must be the truth. I'm looking to discover what my truth is and I'm looking to discover what your truth is so that your truth and my truth can live in harmony. I believe everyone has their own truth that eventually actually comes up to one big truth 
but we're all at different levels. And so in being a seeker, I want to understand and know as much as I possibly can about the way the universe works and where I fit in. I want to be able to experience this world and this life fully, to, to not be numbified going through it, to be able to actually see the greenness of a tree and to know where it comes from because it didn't just land there and the greenness didn't just happen. That's something very novel. I think it's something you should nurture, definitely. Not a lot of people see things like that. And uh, I think if anybody can take purpose out of this podcast, I think that's a point which we can work from. And uh, it reinforces the reason why we establishing this podcast, AccidentalMuslims.com, is because of stories like this that you're, you, 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 you're enlightening us. And I'm sure listeners uh, will take benefit out of it because um, uh, it's different and it, it makes you think. And I think that's something, uh, especially when you're in the eye of a storm and you're facing challenge. And, and, and that's my next question to you. I was uh, watching a video of yours and you reinvented challenge. Mm. Can you elaborate on that for me? quite unique I've never seen those two words together actually so reinventing challenges for me is we all are under the assumption or most people are under the assumption that a challenge is a it has a negative connotation to it right and so when when challenge strikes or when the storm comes and you're in the eye of the storm what do you do oh my god you're just gonna you know drown in it or do whatever you do in it but that's not the reason why challenge exists Challenge exists because it's the only way that we evolve. I mean, picture your life completely hunky-dory. Everything's going perfect. How do you grow? What is your next level? And not level of success or level or whatever you want. What is your next level of consciousness? What's your next level of evolution? You, <laughs> you can't get there without challenge, right? As, as the Quranic verse says, the only Quranic verse that says it and repeats it twice after each other in, in Surah 94, verse 4 and verse 5 and 6, verily with every difficulty there is ease. Verily with every difficulty there is ease. Your challenge is not without ease. Your challenge is there for a reason. And because we as human beings have been given the common sense and the ability to think, we must be able to think our way through a challenge. Because why else will you be given it? God doesn't make mistakes and nothing is ever for naught. So if you are faced with a challenge or you are placed in the eye of a storm, the only reason that you are there is because there's something that you need to learn. So reinventing challenges is how do you reinvent yourself and the challenge in order to learn out, learn from it and to grow from it? It's something very um, close to my heart uh, when I read that and listened to your talk as well. The challenge is not there to to make you weaker. It actually makes you stronger. Um, and identifying when you can come out of that challenge and you identify what your purpose is mm. or what you want to make your purpose, I think there is some sort of joy that you can take out mm. of it. It's 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 truly, um, I think, it's touching what you just said, uh, especially for people that's facing those challenges. And I hope it can give them, or I know it's going to give them hope, um, because it's something very relevant to our times, especially. There's something that I said in that talk where I said that most people assume 
that challenges is a regression, but that I believe that life cannot progress without mm. challenge. So embrace mm. it. How else do you go into, when you are in a drowning situation in, a, in an ocean, the first thing you need to do is to let go. Don't fight the wave. Who are your other mentors? Near. Near and far. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> I, I, and I've never actually said this live anywhere, I, I have a massive kinship. And I use that word lightly, but, but yeah, to the prophets of all of a sudden. I, as a, as a leader, his character is something that I'm deeply moved by. And I get to see it in other people all the time, which is, and that's how I get to connect with people, because I get to see character traits, and I'm like, yo, that's, that's something he had, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then I get I'm, other leaders and mentors. I, see, I seek the, the extraordinary in the ordinary, you know, my husband has got the greatest pearls of wisdom in my, in my storms. You know, where he'd ask a question, I'm like, what, what, whoa, that just hit me left side. That that's something I need to think about. You know, so in a mentorship perspective, yes, there's there's him. My children the same. My mom, peace be upon her. My 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 dad currently. If it was not for my parents, I don't think I would have had ambition. My father and my mother told us every day, you can be anything you choose to be. And I, was, I took it quite literally, quite literally. In, in work environment, I had, I had one of the most amazing mentors when I worked for Talcom, my senior manager, who's now my best friend, and now we interchange the mentorship. I mentor her and she mentors me. That woman took a chance on me. At the time, no one else did, and no one else wanted to. Talcom had a ruling back, back then that you weren't allowed to be in a management level if you weren't 21 yet. And I was 20. And she motivated for me to become a manager because she wanted me in the position. And then there's just, you know, people along the way. I'm, I'm one of those people that take... I take heed and I take cognizance of people I meet along the way and they say something to me and I know that nothing's per chance. You know, as I, as I always say to my students, we are all divinely orchestrated. You know, all of this hasn't happened, is happening and has already happened because time does not exist. Thank you for taking time to be part of this, uh, this movement, as Khalil likes to call it, mm. uh, accidentalmuslims.com. We want to create that platform where people can we are unearthed these heroes. I know you said 10 years ago your, your, your idea of success would have been your naming stars or something like that. Mm. But it's not really about naming stars. It's just about having uh, impactful stories that can inspire. Mm. So on behalf of myself and Khalil, we, we make dua that Allah blesses you and your family. Mm. Um, my Sophia and Yasin grew up yes. to be beautiful um, Muslims, um. Uh, people with beautiful souls, alhamdulillah. Mm. And uh, may Allah put barakah in all that you and your family does. Shukran.
So that's it for today's show. We hope we added value. We hope you enjoyed it. But most of all, we hope our guests inspired you to live with purpose. Don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com. If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum.